Welcome to the Ghostman Radio Show. I'm talking to Beatrice, who will tell me her last name, because I asked her previously how it said, and I, I, she did tell me, but hey, it's a hard thing to say. And I don't, it's not her fault, it's my fault. <laughs> Begin writing at the age of four. You've had years of practice. You haven't had years of practice. Yeah. It's they support you. Yeah. So, she, Beatrice, they support you. Thank you. very Right. Began writing at the age of four, where she scribbled on the walls with a crown. Now in adult, she mostly scribbles on her home computer, surrounded by noisy children and their less noisy father. Born and raised in New York City, which includes Queens, Bronx, Brooklyn, maybe even Stratton Island, aka the real New York, not the tourist trap in Manhattan. She usually travels the world on a budget whenever she gets a chance. And she is the writer of Vices and Virtues. Christiella had a childhood. Christella. Christella. Had, had a childhood shrouded in secrets, ashamed of their circumstances. Her mother told lies and encouraged her daughter to do the same. As Christella grew, she unraveled her lies, but found that this deception is hard habit to break. Now an adult, Christella creates a secret alter-ego as the Dominique's ex-mistress Clara. By day, Clara is a good girl poster-child. By night, Mistress Clara masters the hidden erotic realm of the SSM dungeon. With knack for duplicity, things should work smoothly, except for one complication, friendship. The quirky ray of fellow Dominique's at the dungeon or nothing like the stereotypes she expected, divided between her affection for the girls at a dungeon and a desire to keep her fetish activity secret. Christella fears her two worlds are colliding. Can Christella break her history of deceit? In a world of vices and virtues, salvation isn't something you find, it's a path you make. It sounds a very interesting book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's trying to make a, a statement about false dichotomies. And um, what inspired you to write this book, then? Um, false dichotomies. <laughs> because uh, I, I think that in many aspects of one's lives, whether it's um, the kind of stories we read when we're young and there's a good guy and a bad guy or whether it's if we listen to the news and the politics and again there's usually a us and a them um, when we listen to cultural issues things are are clearly black and white I think that a lot of people have this belief in dichotomies these kind of vices right these good things and, um, and these bad things I mean and virtues these good things and um, I think upon closer examination in many of these realms, these things are just patently false. The truth is actually kind of a very blurred and kind of murky in between. Hmm. And um, obviously I'm going to ask, are the, are the characters in the book based on anybody you know? Well, I mean, there. Are, first off, there is a main character, um, Christella, is her name and in fact the name even is 
reflecting like clarity. Both her names, Clara, which is what she uses as a dungeon name, and Christella is like her search for clarity in this world of dichotomy. Um, the book kind of focuses a lot on her dungeon life, but also to quite a bit on her backstory because it, it really does go into especially her her childhood, her relationship with her mother, and uh, some other things. So, um, but it also then focuses, there are some point of view chapters that go into focus on some of the other coworkers she um, works with at the dungeon and kind of their backstories. So it's not based on one person per se. I'd say there's lots of people who either add a character or an aspect of a character because each of these characters have more than one aspect. So I think as a writer, you take little bits of everything you've ever experienced and anyone you've ever known and it becomes this kind of interesting goulash when you mix it all up of people yeah. and what was it um, did you put any parts of the where you lived and grew up in the book as well well I did I did and that part was in my biography so I am born and raised in New York and um, as the main character Christella is and um I think it's a it's a less um, how can I say this it's a less kind of glamorous media look at New York because I think one of the things that disturbs me as someone who was born and raised in New York is that really people see it through the eyes of um, kind of this tourist lens where they're really focused on the high rises and Manhattan and all the people who move there in their twenties but you know most of the people who I would call New Yorkers are old people and children who live outside of that center area and they are the ones who who drive the taxis. They are the ones who actually are in the restaurants making the food. You know, they don't actually live in midtown Manhattan because it's too expensive. They're the ones who go there by subway every day and actually live in Brooklyn or Queens or um, the Bronx. And I would say that's more of the real New York. So mm-hmm. she she comes from that area. But then you know, she gets into this kind of elite school that's in Manhattan, and there's a little bit of a tug of that too, right? The everyone's thinking that's New York, and in fact, you know, she is from what I would say is more New York, which is the place where the poor working class people work generally. Hmm. I imagine that um, if your book was to be made into a film. How would you, would you prefer it stuck religiously to the book? Obviously, because a film could strengthen that. Or would you mind if they sort of took the essence of the book? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And and I hope from from your lips to the ears of some producer somewhere, (laughs) go somewhere. Um, But I think the essence, you know, I think in all books, not just my books, but I think all books, especially literary fiction, and this is not genre fiction, because genre fiction, I think, is much more plot-based, and this is much more character-based, because it's literary fiction. Um, Once something is literary fiction, I think you kind of have to go off the book a bit to make it into a movie, because, you know, the book is really delving into the thoughts and feelings of the characters, and that's a little hard to show um, in a film. So the film has to kind of get this same point, but more through visual action that we can see. So I think as long as it took the essence of it, and, you know, obviously maybe the rough outline of what happens, but, yeah, it could definitely be changed because I I don't see how else you could really make it into um, 
a movie. One of my favorite books of all time is Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man. I don't know if you've read it. No, I've seen. Um, I've obviously seen the film versions, but I will. I will look out. Look it up. As one yeah, would say. it's a classic. It's you know from like you know a couple of decades ago. But the reason why I made the comparison is again, it's a lot of internal journeying, and I think you know were that to be made into a movie, it would have to definitely be changed. I mean, so yes, I think it would have to be changed. If I were lucky enough to be part of that change, I think I'd be thrilled. I think, you know, I could maybe write scenes that reflect the inner life of the character, but, you know, yeah, it would have to be changed a bit. I'm just looking at your website, because I like looking at websites, because I like to see how accessible they are, what information you got, you know, like, you know, like you do. And I like you've got a little blog, yeah. And you've got a little little stories on there, like five yeah. Dominic Rex secrets by Daisy. Yes, the the blog is actually it's kind of a, a blog not written by me, even though it's my author website. It's actually written by the characters, so it's supposed to be in the voice of the various characters. So but, uh, so far, I think there've been um, three different characters who have spoken on the blog, and each one has their own particular interests and styles and way of which they communicate. I like the one so, you got about the daisy, because I like the bit which says, I wanted to talk about Florida. Feet. You know, the big feet all Floridans have. Because no matter what Chrisetta says, it's a good topic. I just thought, feet, hmm, I wonder where that one's going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is, and it, of course it touches on the book, because Daisy is a very free spirit, she's a very kind person, but she is very flighty in behavior and thought, so she wildly moves from one topic to another, and one of her favorite topics is her childhood in Florida, and she talks about how in Florida, when she was a child, in this kind of um, kind of more rural area of Florida, um, they used to walk around without shoes, and they used to basically go everywhere without shoes except for the church, because Jesus didn't want to smell your feet. And how, um, to this day, she's upset about this because she believes this is why she has live feet. It doesn't fit nicely in those pretty stiletto heels. (laughs) She blames it on being a Floridian from, like, the backwater because she says walking around barefoot made her have wild and, like, you know, big kind of wide feet. So she went on in the book about this whole thing about feet. So she wanted to in this blog, but instead she went and talked about something else. I just like the way you've developed the characters. I think it's cool. I like I like that. I just like that sense of humour that you've put in it. You've obviously had it like thought out. Oh, where would I? Could I take this character? Where could I go? Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to make them real. You know, I think again, this was the the part about you know not being that stereotype. So the girls, the, all the main character girls, or main character and her friends, the three that are focused on all work in a S&M dungeon. And I think in a lot of media, you know, that's very stereotyped, like as if they were doing their job 24-7. So I wanted to make the characters very normal. Like one of them has a son, and she just worries that he plays too many video games. (laughs) That's her big worry, and she's trying to see how she could, like, get him to increase his average in school and stop playing video games. Daisy's just very flighty and, you know, talks about random things like losing weight and wide feet and stuff like that. Justine's very academic, and she's actually always talking about relatively deep topics. Like, she loves the book Frankenstein, and she starts talking about parental abandonment as a theme of Frankenstein. 
everything's fine. And um, Christelle is just searching basically for her own self-identity, and that has a lot to do with the fact that she was raised with a lot of lies from her mother. But she's kind of both a participant and observer, and I think that's supposed to bring the reader in because you as the reader are an observer, but so is she. Because they, they make a point, it's a, a point is made at the beginning of the book that she's very mean to this, and she's the new girl. So a lot of what we're seeing is through the eyes of her being unaccustomed to this the way the reader would be unaccustomed to this. What inspired the book cover? Oh, the book, I had a professional. Um, she was actually really great, Mickey Chan. I had seen um, some of her work. I believe she is from the UK, by the way. Um, and I'd seen some of her work, and it really spoke to me. I thought it had a lot of personality. Um, obviously, her work, you know, wasn't tackling anything about my particular book, but then I contacted her, and she kind of works in this great way where she really feeds off of your ideas. So I was telling her the book is about dichotomy, and she said, hmm, you know, okay, dichotomy. So she kind of ran with a couple of thoughts. Maybe we could do, like, two sides of, you know, a face kind of thing, like a Picasso girl looking in the mirror where she sees a different image than how she looks, or because the book is also about fetishes, and one of the biggest fetish that people, you know, know of, and that's quite well known, is a foot fetish. She said, well, why don't we do, since there are two feet, why don't we do one in a fetish kind of style, and one in a very not-fetish style? And it just, you know, I just thought it was a brilliant idea. So, it really encapsulates the, the story, and the dichotomy, and, you know, it's kind of cute. And yeah, I thought it was a very clever cover. I got it straight away. You know, I thought, oh, yeah. I can see, yeah. And that's what you wanted, obviously. You get what the books... Well, you that, could... that's, yeah, that's what, it was all... It was actually Mickey's idea. I mean, after speaking to me about what the book was about, I have to say, you know, I'm not a visual artist. I wouldn't have been able to do this on my own. But she really includes the author in what she's doing. She really kind of works off of your ideas. And then she gave some, um, you know, kind of preliminary uh, illustrations, and they were great. I just loved it. Like, wow. Yeah, it's good that Shout they, out, you know, yeah. a plug for Mickey Chan if anyone's looking for a good um, book cover artist. <laughs> Why not? If she, yeah, that's what life's about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, she's. It was really. I was very pleased with that. I think it does, as they say, cover the. You know, in one visual look, you kind of get there's that aspect of fetishism, but there's also an equally important aspect of like, kind of, you see a, a person in like sneakers with books. It kind of brings to mind a young person, maybe you know, a student. And it really does encapsulate, I think, the the persona of Christella, who lives these two lives, right? She's a student, she's young, she's learning, and then yet she's doing this um, job on the side, very much. And um, have you got anything else in the pipeline at the moment? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of two things. I really would like, this book is a, a complete story, but it didn't, you know, it didn't, it kind of like finishes her adventure in the S&M world, but it doesn't finish her adventure, right? She goes kind of moving on to something else. Theoretically, I would like to see what happens to her in the future, which would be after she leaves, you know, basically this work as as a, um, a dominatrix. But in the meantime, too, I, I have this toying with this idea about like a kind of um, almost psychological horror story about um, hoarding, which I thought was know another interesting topic about 
Oh, I, 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 I can see where you could go there. What, what you could do is where the people hold things. You could have him, the, 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 the person holding the bodies, chopped up bodies, in boxes, and the blood seeping through, because I write horror, <laughs> and, um, and, and, and uh, rats going, scurrying around, and he's all, like, got names for the rats. Hello, George. How are you today? Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to do that. You know, I, I, I also do have a full time job, and I do have a family, so yeah, that, that, that's a bit I of a get as much time to write yeah. as I would like to. But um, unfortunately, I, unfortunately, people, people think you're going to make a fortune making um, writing books. I can tell you, I've written uh, books, and I've, so far, I've made a grand sum of under two pound. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than nothing. <laughs> Which I, I haven't spent yet because I thought, well, you know, I might accumulate it and might go to two pound to be. But yeah, I know what you mean. It, it's good to write, though. Did you find the process of writing easy and did you self-publish or did you go through a publisher? Um, I, I didn't find the process easy, but I did... I did I did put some structure on myself. I did tell myself that I was going to finish by a certain point, and I did give myself precise goals, and I think this works for me. So I said that, okay, I'm going to have to have this outline done by this time. I'm going to have this rough draft done by this time. I'm going to have the revision of this number of chapters by this time. And by giving myself certain goals, I think that was that was rather helpful. Otherwise, I don't think I would have I would have done it. Um, I did self-publish, and I suppose I was just, um, to be honest, impatient because, you know, I suppose it is, how can I say this, it is easier if you're not really a marketing person. I think it is easier if you could go to traditional route because self-publishing requires not just the, the talent of writing, but it also requires the talent of marketing, which are two separate talents completely, and I fear I have no talent for the second, <laughs> but... It also, traditional, if you don't already have a name, can be very much a time-consuming process where you're just querying agent after agent, and then you're hoping an agent will even look at you, and then they have to try and, like, talk to publishers. And, you know, I've talked to people who literally have waited five years before they even got their book published in a traditional route, and that just seemed like such a long time to me. Um, I was a little impatient and just decided to do it myself. Yeah, that's why I went. I went through Smashwords because I found it just easy to access. I, 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 because I, I found it easy to access because a, I found the normal way of doing it a bit complicated because of the bank accounts and all that. You have to know the IBN numbers and I don't know lots of weird and wonderful stuff. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, ideally, I think, obviously, you know, what comes with traditional publishing is assistance in publicizing everything, and clearly that would be, you know, helpful and useful. The only problem is it's a little hard to get that crack in the door, so I don't know how long, you know, it's very difficult, because then you have to decide, do I want to wait outside in the rain for a long time waiting, or do I just want to try and go and get my tiny little umbrella, but then maybe I'll be stuck just with my tiny little umbrella instead of making it inside. So. I think I think you should I do... Published people have a lot of success, actually, oh. but very rarely. 
I, I think you should do like a, well, you probably have done. I think you should do your audio book version. heard about that. Is that something that, you know, someone else suggested that. I just didn't know. It, it seems like it would be expensive to do. Well, maybe it's not. It, you like, could do the simpler way by just go, doing like this, um, getting a smartphone and getting an MP3 um, file, uh, record a bit, see how it sounds, and then put it available on different sites, you know, saying, you know, like a sound bite. Oh, oh, anybody interested? Would they like to do this? Like, like do it that way? Because mm -hmm. it, 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 you know, or or if you did podcasting, you could put it on a podcast. Hmm. You could put it like yeah. you could put your stories on a podcast. You could do like a little oh. adventures, the carrying on story, even if it's like a. A five-minute slot or a ten-minute slot. I know it's a bit hard to do when you've got family, da, 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 da. But you don't need much equipment to do a podcast. I do mine from a, a smartphone, a fire, a fire tablet. So you don't need to be over-professional if you don't want to be. I mean, it's up to you. You can do all the bells and whistles. But if you want to keep it simple and easy to do, that's what I would recommend. Well, I have to say, as a reader, I, I wasn't into um, audiobooks until I made the drastic mistake of trying to do the very first Harry Potter book as a read aloud to my children. And then I realized this is quite long. <laughs> and as I was ready to give up halfway through the book, because I was thinking, I'm never going to finish reading this book to my kids, I actually went through it. I read the whole book. But then when the kids asked for the others in this series, I said, you know what? They come off audiobooks. <laughs> We're trying to get the audiobooks. And mommy will play the audio and that saved mommy a lot of work. So uh, I must say, um, the Harry Potter series turned me on to audiobooks. Well, I mean, simple. I mean, original. The original origin for audio books was for helping people with visual impairment, but obviously, it's gone developed from there because. Some people just don't have the time to read a book, and they're rather, as they're listen, driving around in a car, they, they yeah, go, oh, yeah. I'll put that on. Yeah, to drive especially. I remember one time we had to take a long, we were going on a vacation, we were going on holiday, and we had this like nine-hour drive, and I was shocked. My children were actually attentive and quiet in the back seat as we listened to the Goblet of Fire. I was like, wow, this is really quite a lifesaver. Um, so, yes. Yeah, you're right. Maybe I should consider an audio book. Well. It's worth considering. I mean, as I say, it's entirely up to you. I just thought I'd put it out there for you. Hey, that's what life's yeah, about. No, help. thank you. That's help people. Any, any and all pub, uh, marketing ideas, because so far, you know, again, it's hard to get books out and about. Like, I've gotten, I'm very happy, actually. I've gotten some very nice reviews. Like, um, I had Indie Reader give me four and a half stars, and actually... Um, I'm going to get an author interview, but they're quite backlogged, so my author interview doesn't come out until next year, next year 2020. Um, I had um, the Midwest Book Review give me a very good review as well, and so I was happy about these things, but the problem is, you know, you still have to try and let people know about your book, even if it's getting good reviews. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I managed to get one of my books on Barnes & Noble, so I was quite happy with that. Yeah, that was through Smashwords, um, mm -hmm. and I just I tend to write 
a horror with a bit of a comedy sort of element. I've written a few children's books. I've written a book and a book about time travel. But, you know, I just tend to do what I like. Uh, sometimes I do free ones, you know, just because I do a site called Inkit. And you can do, like, free books on it. And I just think, oh, well, you know, I, I'm not too worried if I don't make anything out of it. As long as somebody reads it, yeah. I'm quite happy. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. going to ask you no, what... No, I think... Oh, sorry, come on. Go ahead. I was going to ask no, you... No, 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 no. Go ask you about your picture, about the author. You've got uh, this weird picture oh. of your legs and the chair and your face going, I don't want nobody to see me. Well, and, and it's actually true. So it's more so for the reason, um, the book, despite the fact that it, it's definitely not erotica, because it's literary fiction, it has a theme, it has a plot development, it has a character, you know, it has a, um, it's more literary development, literary um, fiction than anything else. However, it does have some saucy bits, I would say, which quite obviously makes sense, since part of it is set in an S&M dungeon. Um, and I am an elementary school teacher, so... Ah, uh, well, yeah, yeah, I can understand now, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it would, would... Miss, miss, I read your book last night. Exactly. Why was exactly. page six about? Exactly. The kids would never find it on a shelf, but I, w- I wouldn't even want their parents to be like, oh, so you teach my child, do you? Yes, <laughs> I do. Um, so, yes, that's why I like I'm, I, I'm sure there might be some of them go... Oh, you wrote that? <laughs> and you deal with children? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, until I'm able to quit my day job, and then I think if I could, if I made it so successful and I was able to quit my day job, then I suppose it'd be fine to shut my face and go about the world. But uh, I, I can understand it. It's okay. Uh, what have we got? Uh, I, I like the bit we put about your noisy, noisy children. A less noisy father. Is he the one falling asleep in the corner to pretending he's not noticing yeah. the kids are no, being naughty? Yes, exactly. No, you know he's a he's a big supporter. Even you know, even right now, he knows I'm on this podcast with you, and he takes care of the kids. And he's my he's my biggest fan. On you know, telling me don't quit. You write. You know, you're a good writer. You know, he'd be the one to tell me these stories about famous writers who were unrecognized. You know, for example, I don't know if you know, like Kafka thought his writings were so bad, he tried to destroy them when he was, um, when he knew he was dying. And a friend of his actually pulled his, some of his um, manuscripts out of the fire. Um, wow. So, yes, I mean, he's a, he's a really good supporter of what I'm trying to do. So. Well, that's what you need. I mean, at the end, of, I'm only kidding. I, I always like, you've got, yeah. you've got to have the support there. Because, I mean, you know, it, it's it's a hard slog. I mean, the people the trouble is the people they see like J R uh, um uh, the writer of, uh, writers and they say, "Cool, how did they get famous?" You think it didn't happen overnight? They just got lucky that one book got taken off right off the shelves, made number one, and then after that they can make a better deal. Exactly. No, it's, it's exactly that. And to be honest, again, you know, my book's not like. It's not like one of these, like, fantasy books where people can be, like, wildly entertained. Some, in fact, some people, you know, it's made to make you think. Some people might find it almost insulting. It talks about a lot of controversial things. It talks about, you know, race, and it talks about poverty, and it talks about sex, and, 
you know, I don't know if that's like the most marketable angle, but it's what I wanted to write about. So. Well, it's, but at the end of the day, you write what you feel you can need to write. I mean, we all put a little bit of the book ourselves in a book, where we consciously or subconsciously, there's elements. If you read your book back, you think, "Oh, that was that bit where I did that," or where I intend yeah. to write. The best horror stories I write is if somebody's upset me. I put them in the horror story then, somehow, some way. And they die a hideous death. <laughs> uh, well, not ev- eventually they die, but I, I, I twist it around a little bit. I, I, I don't say their name, obviously, but it's a big hint there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, in fact, like, so in this book you asked, like, about inspirations, they're definitely, even some of the little conversations, to be honest, are conversations. Some are fictionalized, but some actually occur. Like, um, one of the characters, she's half Kenyan, half Italian. Um, she's quite rich, in fact, and she's kind of doing this job as a way to rebel against her parents and almost embarrass them. So she kind of has an interesting backstory. But one of the things um, that she mentions, because in, in the States, she's definitely considered black, because in the States they had a history of slavery and, you know, the one-drop rule, so, you know, being half Kenyan, she's definitely black. But when she talks to her family in Kenya, they say she's European because the European blood is stronger. And this is actually, um, her conversation with her uncle is a conversation I heard once a Kenyan tell me. And it was almost verbatim exactly what he said. And it was interesting to me as an American because then when I thought about it, it made sense because Kenya never had slavery. And so they didn't have this one drop rule. And so for him, someone who's half European is basically a foreigner and not Hmm. Kenyan. And I, I thought that was interesting. Like, I just thought, like, people forget that we live in our own bubble of understanding. That's not necessarily universal in the world. Well, I know what you mean. I mean, this is, again, the, the dichotomy. Like, a girl, could, the same girl, the same character can be black in one country and white in another. Strange, isn't it? Yeah, strange world we live yeah. in. It, it's a, yeah. it fascinating. Well, I, think, I think it's true, though. I think this is true. It does fascinate me that the subjects that um, you, when reality can be more scary or more frightening than anything you can ever write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know, and we take it for granted that we know the the workings of the world. It's like a clock, and we understand it, but it's not because even the way in which we see it is the way in which we were raised where we are. But you know, if you talk to other people, other places, they see the same thing in a totally different light. Have you ever thought about writing a children's story as soon as you've got children? Um, you know, I have, I have to say, you know, I think, I don't know if you do the illustration and the writing. What's held me back is, as I said before, when I mentioned about um, my cover designer, I'm not a particularly good artist visually, and I know a lot of children's stories convey a lot of, um, a lot of meaning and, and the story through the picture, so I would need to team up with a very good artist, I think, because... I only do little stick drawings for my <laughs> Even my children laughed. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's really bad. Yeah, there you go. I wouldn't mind teaming up with someone who had that talent, and then together maybe we could put a book. That would be quite nice. You could, yeah, little sticks, little stick figures. I, I've, I, um, what did I do? I, my first book I ever wrote, I co-wrote, and I did the illustrations. It's called, it's got a weird title, Cartoon Occult Martial Arts. 
What is it called? I'm sorry. Cartoon Occult Martial Arts. Well, that's quite an intriguing name. <laughs> yes, it, it's as weird as it sounds. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, it's available. It's there on Amazon. And I am quite proud that I actually co-wrote it and did the drawings in it. So, you know, that's, wow. my, that's my claim to fame. You know, it's got... Well, jo- my kids like martial arts. They actually take Taekwondo. Perhaps I should look this up for them. Yeah, they, they might think, what the, is it, they probably like the cartoons, because they do do drawings of how to do certain moves. Mm-hmm. Obviously not like a proper, you know, I'm, I do, I have done martial arts, but, you know, I, I'm no means an expert by any shape of thing, but it's just the basics and that you need out there in life. Definitely, you know, like I said, I, I, I don't think people should be stuck in one genre, one box. Like, I think it would be fun to try some horror writing. Um, children's writing would be lovely, except that I'm a horrible artist. But, yeah, I'm um, thinking of writing a yeah, science think, fiction book. I would like to write something yeah. about science fiction. But I want to see what where I want to place it first. Because you've got to think of something yeah, about the central character. And then, you know... The central character, but in the end, a lot of books cross genres anyway. So, like, yeah. you know, obviously, the character in my book, Justine, really loves the book um, Frankenstein. Clearly, I read the book, too, because I can't write about her loving Frankenstein without having read Frankenstein myself. And, you know, Frankenstein is definitely literary fiction. They're definitely themes. It's definitely character-driven. But it's also probably one of the very first, if not the first, science fiction books. Right? Yeah. Because, I mean, the whole thing is about his desire to master nature and basically to become like God through use of science. Yes, it's a strange, strange how I, I always like Frankenstein because the actual bits of it, some of it's come true in a sense of the, the um, we allow, we could do transplants now and, and the mm-hmm. other things we can do. Yeah, yeah, actually, some of it has come true. But, I mean, it's also really, you know, aside from that, it, I, it's just fascinating also on a, a character level because I, I remember when I first read it being very taken by the fact that I had assumed that the creature was a monster, but, in fact, the creature was a hero. I mean, the monster is the man who made him, not so much the creature. And, um, you know, as I read more about it, I was like, I just thought it was so interesting that, you know, it's about... Um, Mary Shelley herself, I think her mother, if I'm not mistaken, died in childbirth. And some have speculated that she was the creature because maybe she felt her father um, rejected her because she was the cause of her mother's demise. I wrote a little bit about, I I based something on Frankenstein. What did I put? The Diary of Frankie. What did I put? Uh, Oh, today I I was a bit upset with my, my... because uh, he wouldn't let me go outside. He said I wasn't allowed outside because people might not understand how I look. I thought, I didn't understand this. So I went outside to go for a nice walk. And I met a little girl. And we played a little game. Oh, she was throwing sticks in the river. So I picked her up and threw her in the river. But she never came back. So I thought, <laughs> I'd better go home now. <laughs> he was that. Nice. Threw but, her in the river. <laughs> but that that you know that, that you sort of mm, 
here. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 but that, in the film of the Frankenstein book, they always have Frankenstein with a, a girl or a boy doing playing something because the child doesn't see the monster. Yes. And but he beca he comes the, the the victim of being the monster. Although yes. although he's called it's Frankenstein, the, the actual monster who created Frankenstein is never really mentioned very much. Yeah, well, in the book, actually, he saves a little girl from drowning. Yeah. But in um, in uh, Reward, the father, when he sees how he looks, decides to try and shoot him, <laughs> which is pretty bad, actually. <laughs> Poor guy. You really do feel bad for him. He really is trying his best to be good in the book, and people are really uh, making it very difficult for him. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, like, I think, you, you, like you say, you should um, twist things around now again, Um Make sure that people understand where you're going. Um, and obviously, I'm looking forward to your next projects when they come out. Um, Thank you, yeah. Uh, uh, please mention where people can find your book or websites that you would like them to go to. Okay, well, I have a website, which is www.beatricedaysoprontu.com. And if you're interested in the book, which, as I said, has been getting some very good reviews, um, it is available, Vices Virtues, it's just a backslash, Vices Virtues, is available both on Amazon as paperback and ebook, and at Barnes & Noble as paperback and ebook. And who knows, soon to be perhaps audiobook, if I take your suggestion. And also, I I and also I, I, before we go, I, I normally ask my guests to do an unique sign-off. So, Beatrice, what would be your unique sign-off? Oh, my unique sign-off. This is quite extemporaneous unique sign-off. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. I am going to try and take the multilingual challenge for the unique sign-off on how to say goodbye. So, I am going to start with goodbye. And let's say, um, arrivederci, which is good. Um, adios. Uh, sayonara, I think aloha, uh, vidasen, um, la revedere, uh, I might be stuck now, and see you later. There you go. I can't get more than that, I'm sorry. That was I thought he was going to do a proper New York, New York accent then. I could, I could, well, you know, I, I had a New York accent, and then I went to a fancy school, much like Ristoma, and they beat it out of me. I'm not joking. They actually really made me keep a clench a pencil between my mouth so that I could properly enunciate the TH, because before that, I always used to say, duh, <laughs> like my mother. And they were like, no, she's not your mother, she's your mother. <laughs> Do all my THs. It was like I, it was like I was Eliza Doolittle. They made me sit there and go... <laughs> Now that would make a very good book. <laughs> that would. I think it was already done, though. Pygmalion. So I really yeah, but you could twist it. You can twist your own version. I, I could. I could make a modern version. I have to say, one thing I really like about Pygmalion is it actually discusses class, which I think, to be honest, and I know I'm not just, you know, sucking up to you. I think in Britain, you guys are a lot better at recognizing the existence of class. 
class. Oh, yeah. And we are We've, in the States, where oh. we, we pretend it doesn't exist, even though it really does everywhere. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, in my book at least, this dichotomy between being raised super poor and then Christella ends up going to a very, because she's smart, she got a scholarship, she ends up going to a very fancy and elite school. It doesn't sit that well because it, it kind of tears her also again as a person between these two very separate identities where, you know, the kids in their school have no idea what her background is like because they couldn't even imagine because their lives had been so different. And her, her mother really can't imagine what her life in school is because she's never had such an opportunity. She's, you know, never had... Um, such an elite education. So it really makes, again, her straddling between two words, like like in the cover of the book, her straddling between two worlds. But yeah, um, class, I think, America. That was one of the blog posts. Christella talks about America has no class. It's a double entendre. <laughs> America I, 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 has no class. <laughs> we have no class. <laughs> and here's my, here's my unique sign-off for you, Beatrice. I talked to a lady Tell from me. New York. In America, over the seas, I had—I wish I could have her vices and virtues like her, but I have to just read the book instead. She says she has children around her feet every day, screaming all all away. The husband supports her in lots of different ways, and she likes to come on the show and talk about a book. You may like to go and search it out some bits. Don't try to pronounce her last name like I did try to do. Because you may get it wrong and she'll put you in a book. And you don't know what that would do. Goodbye. No, thank you. Oh, goodbye. Have a wonderful evening.